Episode 13 of the Quasar's podcast. We are back. We are in full force. All four of us are here. Ben, Kimmy, Jesse, and Joel. And Chelsea 2, Tottenham 2. Who saw that coming? I guess I guess Jesse did because he didn't I mean, call the draw. I Drostradamus is what my one friend calls himself <laughs> when he's predicting draws. So I'm going to borrow that one for this one. Yeah, I did. I did, you know, hand to God. I did tell you guys in the chat, like, hey, I think we're going to win 2-1, 3-1 right before the morning after I read, like, the Conte and Chelsea measuring stick article in The Athletic. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think lucky to be only down 1-0 at the half. But it's been a few years since there's been a crazy game at the bridge. And so glad that that's back on the menu, whether it was the battle at the bridge, the Delhi doubleheader brace when I had my screensaver when everyone's just flipping him off and he's just putting his hand behind his ear like peak Delhi. Um, but it's it's been a little while. It was nice to see some drama back at the bridge. Yeah, I mean, um, we played Chelsea four times last year and didn't score a single goal. Um, so there was there was reason to be a little worried about what was going to happen uh, on Sunday. But Spurs have been playing better since since those matches. Uh, we looked really good against Southampton, which is not a great measuring stick because they're a bad team. You know, I was probably a little irrationally confident going into the game and that that quickly got washed away. Uh, once we actually started watching the first, the first half, I mean, I will say Spurs came out pretty aggressively in like the first five or 10 minutes. Uh, looked like they were kind of up for it. And then once Chelsea settled the game down, like we knew that, that they would, um, then it would just kind of felt very much like last year where they're just keeping possession. Whenever we get it, we turn it over quickly and they just take their time. No rush. Um, we're scared to press because we want, we want to get out on the break. So yeah, I think it, it, it was going to play itself out pretty much the same as last year. Um, and then the subs came in and try to change the game. I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack here. I don't want to I don't want to get too far into it right at the beginning. Um, but Kim, wh- what was your major takeaway from the the draw at Stamford Bridge? Uh, the first half, I was really really disappointed. It was just like whenever we would get something going, where it seemed like we could string a couple passes together, there'd be one of our forwards with a heavy touch, mainly Sun, but Kane had some heavy touches to start too. So it just felt like we couldn't get anything started. And it, it was mostly, I mean, it was, it's Chelsea, like Chelsea does things well that will bother us. So they're good on the ball. They move the ball with precision. Um, they had some misplaced passes, which is why we would turn them over here and there. But for the most part, they're cleaner with the ball than we are. Um, their pass percentage is usually one of the highest ones in the league. Like they keep things pretty tight. Um, and I just think like tactics Tuchel showed up as he does um where i think in in general he won that battle over conte um he knew exactly what to do to make us uncomfortable we were uncomfortable we couldn't get out of it and like you said the the guys came in and changed the game which we can talk about a little later but i just felt like there was stuff that was happening where their midfielders were in so much more space than we were and like you said we were scared to press them and so for the whole first half i was just like why are we being so pat and I understand us being passive, but I was like, why are we being so passive? 
Why aren't we pressing them a little more? Why aren't we just being a little more aggressive? And the moment we started to get aggressive with them, the game sort of changed a little. It didn't change too much, but it changed a little. And I think I just think that's the with a team that's going to play like Chelsea, we have to be a little more aggressive. We have to to push. And to me, Richarlison came in and kind of did that. I was just impressed that we came back, uh, you know, twice. They're like a professional soccer team. And although they've not been great at times, like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're just like a, a well-organized, well-generally-coached and stuff. Like, they're a professional soccer team in the sense, of like, it's tough to really, really play against them. They don't have those those moments. So, no, they're not at the level of pool and city and some of the top teams in Europe. But, like, they were not that long ago, and they're tough to play against. So I was super impressed that we were able to find some ways and. I mean, although that it looked like the XG was going to be heavily favoring Chelsea, a lot of their shots were just low risk, nothing with someone right in front of them. And and for us to, I mean, you could make the argument, obviously we benefited, but like Kane was wide on that one. Talking about, you know, he had heavy touches early and then that's just not a clinical situation. Like anybody else, you don't expect to make that, but you've seen Harry score that goal 50 times. And so to him go wide, that was a bit surprising, but just super, Super humbling and good. I'm like every Spurs fan that was like us. I was getting a little bit gassed up, kind of needed that first half. Remember, it was it's not that long ago. It's not that long ago, and maybe it's not it's it's not even in the past. <laughs> um, because yeah, I mean that the first half was concerning on a number of levels. Um, you know, it's one thing to beat up on a team that you're supposed to beat up on and a team that's not very good and a team that plays wide open and just kind of lets you do what you want. Um, and that's what we saw last week. And so it, it's hard to really measure how good you are until you play good competition. And we played good competition and we didn't look good, <laughs> quite frankly, um, for most of the game. Um, we talk about stealing a point like that was a point stolen 100%. Um, even without the fact that obviously we scored in the final minute of six minutes of, of stoppage, but just the way the game played out itself is just like, we probably don't deserve to take any points away from this game because they just played better than us for a majority of, of the contest. The way that Chelsea plays, I think made it more difficult for guys to feel comfortable pressing the ball because as Kim said, like they are so good on the ball. Um, if you press and you make a mistake, then they're going to make the right pass. There's going to be a guy behind. And I think we were scared of that for a lot of the game of like, we're over shooting a lot of the passes We're we're making a lot of bad touches on the first ball. And they just weren't doing that as often as we were. And so it's like, if you, if you take a gamble, uh, you know, it, it's going to work out against you. And, and honestly, they had, a lot of opportunities. If they had some more clinical finishers, they could have scored four goals yesterday. Um, Raheem missed the chance right in the box. There was that Reese James cross that went into Kai Havertz that he just screwed over. And like, if they finish those and they go up three, one, then like, that's it game over. Yeah. I, I guess I don't have too much to add to what you guys already said. I think like most Spurs fans, we were probably, um, Overly optimistic coming into the game, uh, and then the first five. Well, well let me minutes, ask you this then: um, Like, how do you feel now? Like having the game already now in our back pocket, we we stole a point. How do you feel about Spurs currently, having seen that match? 
I mean, not great, but not terrible, I guess. It was, this is what I was asking about last week is where are we going to have more possession? What was it going to be when we were able to, to, you know, compete more on the counter uh, that first five to 10 minutes, like you were saying, Joel was really encouraging. It, it looked like that was the spurs that we had been thinking that we were going to see for that game, but that turned around really quickly. And it just looked like, Chelsea just had more men in the midfield. <laughs> Basically, they outnumbered us. We, we, we couldn't pass out. They looked way calmer passing from the back than we did. Uh, it just seemed like every time we did pass it over to the wing or somewhere else, that they were almost immediately surrounded. I think that uh, tactics-wise, we we did get beat, basically. I think that Conte did really turn things around with that change of, of shape at what, around 60 minutes or so when he brought off Cess. Um but I, what I would say, I guess, is what I would take away is it is still a work in progress. And we still do have, you know, quite a bit of work to get up there where we would be dominating possession or even just level if possession on the road to the top, top teams. And I know, like you guys have said, is that Chelsea's probably just below that, you know, the Liverpool City tier. But if we're going to get so that we're actually even with Chelsea, not just even on points, but, you know, head to head when we play them, we just seem to, to be outmatched most of the time. And um, today it seemed more tactics. It, there might still be some issues with personnel. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys actually were, 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 were to do a position by position. What would that team look like as, as far as like a Chelsea Tottenham crossover? Like which positions are we definitely stronger than Chelsea? I think they're a handful, but I think overall they probably do have us personnel wise still, which, you know, they've been pouring money into that club for years. But um yeah, I mean, to, to answer your uh, original question, I uh, I don't feel terrible about it. I feel like it shows the resiliency. Uh, I felt like it it was good to see Conte uh, make full use of subs to change the tactics, to change the flow of the game. Um, there's a, an element of luck, but at the same time, if you look at the expected goals, there it wasn't. It's not like we got trounced. You know that that could have we could have really had a smash and grab. Uh, like Jesse was saying, if Kane had put that one, if Sess had put that one away early, um, there there were some chances there. And like you said, they did they they had chances as well. Though the first half was not fun to watch, but Chelsea didn't really do that much with the ball. Their one goal was off a set piece, you know, and a really nice strike. They I'm trying to remember what other chances they really had in the first half. Was it Sterling chance in the first half? Or that was second half too, wasn't it? Second half, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a trend with Chelsea, right? Um if you look at even the games last year where they dominated us four times, they still didn't create much. Um, It was really a lot of the goals that they scored were on account of mistakes that we made. Um, I think, and that's a part of the reason that I had so much irrational confidence last week is like Chelsea's not great at creating goals. Um, And even with that said, they, they probably created more opportunities yesterday than they usually do. Um, but if you can score against them, you can beat them because usually um, their guys are not going to finish. And what, the, what do they get? They, they ended up getting two goals from defenders yesterday. Yeah. So like there were just like a couple of things that I think like they did well. And then I think if we would have played, maybe if we paid Perisic instead of Cesc, that chance that Cesc has, Perisic takes one less touch and is able to actually bend it into the far corner. Um, Reese James also marked Sonny out of the game totally. Like there was just nothing that he could do. Um, and that's just, I think Reese James is, is, he made a mistake for one of our goals. Um, I think he was the one on the back post for that Kane goal at the end, but for the most, and I think he was the one that uh, the free kick that we got to get up there was his fault as well. 
but in general, he just locked Sonny down. Um, and if one of our attackers is totally marked out of the game and then they're also overloading our midfield, I'm like, that to me was where we couldn't get a foothold in the game. And so they like, they did have Mount just dropping in and there were tons of opportunities that I saw in the first half where Chelsea just didn't even pass him the ball and he was open in space. So it could have been worse. Um, but um, I, I do agree with the whole resiliency thing. I think it's important. I think Conte got all amped. The team got amped at the same time. Um, and so to me, it just shows that we're not like the spineless spurs that people would consider us, that we do have a little bit of backbone and a little bit of bite. And to me, that's important. So when you look at the history of Chelsea and Spurs going into this match, they have pretty much dominated us. The last time we beat them in a Premier League match was that Deli Alley game, uh, November of 2018. Oh, gross. Um, we've beaten them a few times in the Carabao Cup, but not in the actual league. And what makes it even worse is since that 2018 match, um, Spurs have not scored a single goal against Chelsea in a Premier League match. The only goal that we scored was an own goal. Um, and so who broke who broke that streak? Who else? Of course, Pierre Emil Hoybier, <laughs> who we all had as as the hey, uh, the person hey, who's gonna <laughs> I I just want to score. say I said last week if Hoyberg tries to at, like attack the box, find himself in positions, he'll have opportunities. Like he could have had some last week. There were and there was time that he was in space last week that nobody passed him the ball. So I just think like the team has to get used to our midfielders making runs, the midfielders making the runs, people actually passing to them because he's not a terrible shot. Like when he actually goes to shoot, he's not that bad. I mean, that, like was he, a t- that was a tough shot. That yeah, was a tough I mean, goal. It was a, like it's a good finish. <laughs> I would call that like in baseball, I call that a seeing eye single, just kind of like just just blocked or just went right down the, the, the only path to success there. And I think that was dope. I mean, Kimmy was on it, not to brag. I was on it as well all summer saying, I want to see Denmark PEH. You guys were like, no, not, not Denmark PEH. But he, if he can go forward like that, I mean, we haven't had a guy that can, not that Musa Dembele was a, a huge scorer, but he could dribble forward a little bit like that from that, that position. And we were more dangerous then. So if that can be PEH or, or Benson Corps, I mean, that's, that adds another layer to things that you need. And sometimes in games like this, when the front three were pretty much MIA the whole first half. And I do think it's going to require a little bit of a shift in mindset um, for some of our players. I mean, there are times when guys like Kane and Son, who are used to bagging all the goals, will look for goal when there's probably a better opportunity for someone else. Um, And so, like, gaining that trust and, like, gaining that ability to look for the pass instead of always looking for goal, I think will come with time. Um, But... I think another thing, in addition to the the subs that that allowed um, the shift, which I think we can talk about a little bit now, because for most of the game, it was pretty much same as last season. They're going to take the ball away from us as soon as we get it. They're going to kind of just control possession. And as Jesse was saying, like they weren't creating much, but we also weren't getting the ball. So then it was kind of like, all right, well, we're not going to get back in the game this way. Um, he brings on Richarlison in the 57th minute. Um, and then basically we have four up top. Uh, and then he puts a back four in. And once we do that, 
not only does that create more pressure for their back three, so they have to shift their defensive possession, but you start seeing Kane kind of dropping back more and being able to kind of play in that um, nebulous midfield attacking space, which I think Sonny was trying to do for most of the game. But like Kim said, Reese James was basically just marking him out and Kane is just better at it. Right. So like, that's the other thing. Um, and of course the, the game tying goal at the end is, is one of two back-to-back wonderful um, in swinging corner kicks from Ivan Perisic, who was not on our team last year when we played Chelsea. Um, let's talk a little bit about the subs and, and, and the guys that came off the bench for Charleston, Perisic, Basuma, uh, Lucas Mora came on for the last 10 minutes. Um, what did we see from those guys and like, what do they bring to the team in terms of, of options? We see that we just have so many better options than we did last year when Lucas was the first guy we'd bring on. And in this case, he was the last just to like when we needed one more attacking player, like there's such a different depth to this team that um, we haven't had in a while, um, which is dope. I think uh, Biz also, he, he cracked a shot early that was that deflected. And I think that win the corner before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So like that was, again, being aggressive. That's what Kimmy was talking about. Wanted to see him do, I think, this summer. And I wasn't as familiar with him, but like that was great. And I think he'll get the opportunity to, to start soon and we can we can see a different level. But um, I think Richie made a couple of decent runs. He had one link up that tried to happen with Kane that they just missed, I think. Um, but it, they played like he's a dangerous player, but wasn't really knowing what movements to make and where people wanted the ball yet. So I think like that was super encouraging to, to see him at least kind of get in some dangerous spots. No, yeah, yeah. I'd agree. Like, I, sorry. I really liked what I saw from a Charleston. Like, yeah, he had a couple, like he hasn't played much. So he had a couple of like loose touches, which you can expect, you can expect that from him a little bit. He's, he cannot, like, there are times where he's kind of loose with his touches, but Mm -hmm. there were like moments where he was like holding up the ball in Chelsea's end, being able to like move it on that. We just didn't see any of that. We didn't see a guy just hold the ball, wait for people to, to make runs and then actually pass. It was like, as soon as we got the ball in Chelsea's end, people were just trying to get rid of it. Um, So I just felt like he came in and he brought, and I think this came from Conte as well, just like a level of intensity. Like you could feel the intensity level in that match, just, spike just a little bit and to me that was the thing that I felt like the match was missing from Spurs side was just intensity I was just like if you guys were just slightly more intense if you guys it to me it just felt like we didn't want it as much as Chelsea did in the first half um and when Richarlison came in he's the kind of guy that immediately wants it he's gonna press everybody to death he's gonna make everybody work and so when you have someone who does press everyone to death in a team like this that does actually like to work hard they follow that lead. And I feel like he's a guy that's just going to give us a different level of from our front guys. You can really look at Kulisevsky, son and Kane. They don't really do the pressing up top. It's Bentecourt and Hoiberg that tend to support them really well. Yeah. But when you have Richarlison as one of your front three, he's going to be pressing the shit out of people. And to me, that just, it, it takes Chelsea off balance. It gives us a little more confidence. So I just, I just think like I'm too, I'm probably too a little over the moon about what I think Richarlison might do for Spurs, but he's the kind of player that we don't buy normally. So I'm interested to see how he fits in this team. He doesn't have to start every week, which is probably a good thing, but we have multiple um, 
at one point we'll have multiple games a week. So he will be getting regular game time. So I just feel like it was a good buy. Um, I like what I saw from the first match from him. Obviously he didn't score or whatever, but I just feel like he brings something to the team that we need. Like we can score goals, but we need guys who keep that intensity high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just as Jesse, like you were saying, just having that much depth is uh very reassuring, I guess, in terms of being able to change things up tactically and just personnel. Like uh, Kimmy, you're saying with, with Charleston, even if they play with the exact same tactics or shape, just the difference in personality or his play style basically does change things, uh, his intensity. Um, and just having quality to come through the midfield is great. Having, uh, you know, wingbacks to come in and, and, and spell people that have been running around for the last 60, 70 minutes, uh, especially with five subs. It's just, it's a huge difference. And I don't remember the last time we had that. I mean, I guess it would have been during the, uh, the, 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 the height of the poach era. And I don't even think we had that much depth then that I can remember. Um, I don't know if we'd necessarily learn that much individually about the players just from such, you know, kind of small, uh, spells there, but, um, most of them are already kind of known quantities to, to a large degree, and they haven't done anything yet to dispel those uh, the images that we have of them. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. I mean, it'll, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how things work when we actually start having more matches a week and see how the rotation comes. I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see some good rotations uh, and and get some kind of different mixtures of different starting lineups to see who can kind of form some uh, on field partnerships, because. That's obviously a key uh, factor in how these things work out is just how the individuals themselves. I mean, we can see it most obviously with Kane and son where they're almost, you know, they can read each other's minds basically. So yeah. let's, let's see, let's see how that develops with some of the other players. And if we get some good combinations going forward and, uh, and again, it was just very encouraging because you know how that we always talk about, everyone always talks about having a plan B, right? When, when the thing you're doing is just not working, it was nice to see that actually executed where we, we switch things up. I think that it, it almost seemed like Conte wanted to wait until about 60 minutes before really changing things up. Maybe to not give Chelsea enough time to react so that it was late enough in the game. I don't know. Cause I, I, thought there might be some subs at the half. I the for sure thought so. Yeah, I thought right. we'd see Perisic and Richarlison at the half. To me, I was yeah. like, those are going to be changes that are made. And he didn't make them. And I was like, I would have liked at least one of those at the half. Maybe do that one at the half and do the other one at 57 minutes. I think that might have been a little better. Um, but, I mean, I'm not going to complain. Like, we got that, got, that, <laughs> got that point. And to me, that's amazing. And that's the kind right. of thing that we didn't do last year. We... We, if we got down, if a team was like keeping the ball away from us that much, we probably wouldn't score like it, that. And that to me, that's a difference is we're, we're in a place where we don't play well, but we still manage to get a result. And that's what like teams that finish with 80 points do <laughs> as opposed to the 70 something that we've been finishing or close to lately. So it's like, if you manage to get like six draws like that away, that's six points that we just like didn't have last year. And if you managed to beat some of those teams that you were, you were supposed to beat that you didn't like Southampton or Brighton, then you can easily see us making up some sort of points. gap. I don't know. Man City's going to be crazy. Um, and as we see, Chelsea is actually a good team. Like they put, they put some guys in that didn't play last week. Um, and Tuchel's just honestly a, a great tactical, like tactician. Um, I hate that for them, but. <laughs> but he's a good, he's 
<laughs> well, I hate that for them and us. He's a good coach, yeah, though. About, so, them, um, yeah. about them. And and they have they have good players. Conte's gonna be out for a while now, it seems. Um we'll see. Not a while, it's just cool. It's just one game each, isn't it? Oh, you talking about Angola no, 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 Conte. no. I don't mean Angola oh, Conte, like oh. for Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. So you I thought you read the same important. thing. I'm sorry, he's very important for them. As you can see in this match, he he bossed the midfield. Um and when he went out, might have been what coincided as well with things kind of turned around. I don't remember when he um when he went off, but uh I mean, yeah, he's yeah, been to one me, of the top handful of midfielders in the league for six years, five years. You would think he'll fall off at some point, but he's still here. Um well, let's, and let's I, go through the uh the tail of the tape here in case there's anyone who didn't see this match. Which was like good, but not really good at the same time. It was like it was like exciting, but like anyway, um, you know, the last fifteen minutes were pretty good. Yeah, it was whatever the, that the last, was. Yeah, that's exactly. But right. things started just heating up like crazy, especially on the uh, the benches over there. <laughs> so Chelsea opens the scoring at nineteen minutes with a corner kick. Uh, Koulibaly, their new center back signing, scores a volley. He's completely unmarked. Uh, nice strike, got- though. It was a really was. nice strike. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish he wasn't completely by himself in the back. Something, something about him being unmarked. So Tifo, love Tifo. Um, I watch. They that too. do like they do like tactic stuff after this match. So I watched some of um, the one about this match, and JJ points out that um, Chelsea for like the last seven matches were doing in swingers. In swingers, yeah. So we lined up for in-swingers. Tuchel did out-swingers a lot this match um, because he knew that we would analyze their tape. And then he kind of tried to counteract that. So the reason Koulibaly is unmarked is because we're lining up for an in-swinger. Cucurella puts in an out-swinger and um, Sun doesn't check his shoulder. So that's the mistake right there. If Sun checks his shoulder, he gets in between Koulibaly and the goal, that doesn't happen. But it just shows that Tuchel really, really is. I call him tactics Tuchel for a reason. Like he really focuses on the tactics. He's and that he guy. Basically ca- he counteracted what we did as a tactic. Basically, he had a counter tactic that worked. And Kulabali, I mean, that was a that was a good volley. <laughs> like it, that could have not been a goal because he could have skied that somewhere. But he he had the technique to put it on frame so i just want to bring that up where, where it really shows that this game to me was played in the tactics universe which is interesting yeah it's it's similar to all the overloads too you can tell that that tukul uh, did his his homework you know like you can tell that they spent some time looking at what our attacking and defending was going to look like and figured out ways to create mismatches and it just, it looked like they had more players on the field basically. Right. Like it was just, it was constantly whenever our guys had it turning into two or three defenders, whenever they had it, it was one guy pressing them that they just had to kind of dribble or pass around. It just, it, it wasn't, yeah, there was the, the, the way the numbers worked out somehow. <laughs> and again, that's what tactics are. Right. But you could see it very clearly in this game. It was, it was a pretty good demonstration of how important that kind of thing can be. So once the Chelsea goal goes in, um, they pretty much dominate the rest of the first half. Um, there's a one chance that Sonny gets on a broken up corner where he's about to make a run for it. And Reese James takes the yellow and pulls him. And that's pretty much the end of that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're expecting maybe some changes at halftime. There are none. The first half, uh, the second half kind of plays out, starts out the exact same way. 
Um, Richarlison comes on for Sessegnon at 57. And that's where we start to see a little bit more energy from the guys and just a change in the way that we're set up. Um, so before we equalize uh, with that Pierre Mill Hoybier strike, um, there was the, the Benton Kerr tackle on Kai Havertz. Uh, Kai Havertz goes nuts. He, he swears he gets fouled. In real time, it looks pretty much like a foul. Um, I see the replay and I'm like, oh, it looks like he might have got the ball. If they call that a foul, nobody complains. But they don't. Um, we carry on. We, I think, get a shot in the box that gets blocked. It drops to Jorginho. Instead of clearing the ball, for whatever reason, he tries to dribble out of three defenders, coughs the ball up, and that leads to the Hoybier goal, after which Conte and Tuchel are on the sidelines screaming at each other. <laughs> um, they both get yellow cards. Kai Havertz is still yelling at the ref. Um, and that's really when the game starts for, for as, 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 as far as Spurs fans are concerned, because up to that <laughs> point, uh, it just looked like another game at Stanford Bridge that we were going to lose and not score. Um, so was it a foul, the, the, the Benton Kerr tackle, or was it a clean tackle? I think it was a yellow, honestly, I'm, after the replay. Like, I, I mean, he was not, not, a, not a tactical one, but like, he, he basically came in from behind. I've tried that move in FIFA and I almost always get a yellow card um, because he was kind of coming from like almost that three quarter, like not quite right behind you, but enough. It looked like a foul when I live. And then when they, it wasn't called and he came up clean with the ball, I was like, wow, what a freaking terrific Romero like tackle he just made there. Um, like, like kind of desperate, but also like extremely perfectly well placed. And then upon the replay, I was like, oh shoot. Like, yeah, he was lucky to not get, not get carded i think there and and uh um definitely too too far in advance before the goal so i was never worried about that with the var or anything like that i also was at the bar didn't have sound on but um that was like what 45 seconds or a minute before it felt like uh yeah it was like it was like the possession right before yeah so they yeah, turned the ball over that. and it was then a long we, possession, we score yeah. on the next possession yeah it was about yeah. probably 45 seconds to a minute for sure so they yeah, had a chance I, to not have that happen. And yeah, that's their fault. Yeah. I would say that that probably gets called a foul nine out of 10 times or something like that. And it probably only gets called a yellow card one out of 10 times is what I would say. Like it could have been a yellow card, but not that likely because it wasn't a tactical foul and it wasn't really a, uh, you know, a dangerous tackle or anything like that. Um, he might've gotten, he looked like he cut, got a tiny bit of the ball, but he definitely got some of the man first. So I would say we got lucky that that didn't get called a foul, but I would have been a little surprised at a yellow. I'm just kind of, I'm actually a little surprised that Havertz did get a yellow there for demonstrating to the uh, to the ref. Uh, yeah, I I thought he did actually, but I, I thought he did too. But then he got I'm a yellow later, and I don't see it. So yeah, he didn't get a he didn't get a yellow card until about 20 minutes later. Right. Um, I thought he had gotten a yellow until he got that second yellow, and it wasn't a red. I don't so, see how you could yell at the refs uh, that much and not only- get a yellow. But yeah, I just have to say we only got one yellow this whole match, and that is crazy. To me. And Romero <laughs> didn't have any fat; he didn't even get called for any foul. How does he not get a yellow at least for the? I don't want to step on your toes here, but the Cucurella hair pull. I mean, that's the. I don't see how that doesn't get called. Well, the only all. yellow card we got was Antonio Conte's. Antonio uh, Conte. And <laughs> no, at the time, I didn't even. I didn't even realize he got a yellow card. I, I did not. I did not know he got a yellow card until I like looked back at Fat Mob, and I was like, oh, okay. 
I was like, this that morning. Was, that was yeah. after the first goal, after the yeah. first Spurs goal. The Hoybier uh, goal yeah. goes in. Uh, the two coaches scream at each other. They both get yellows. There's a cooling break. And then Tuchel's like, all right, Jorginho, you're an idiot. And he takes him out. You're gone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> immediately pulled um, as soon as he made that mistake. Um, and then he puts on, the on Espilicueta. And uh, four minutes later, we cough the ball up. Um, and Reese James scores and it's 77 minutes. It looks like that's the end of it. Um, I was pretty convinced once that goal went in, all right, this game's probably over. Yeah. Decky was kind of, was fairly poor, right? I know that nobody in the front three was look, looking very good early on, but I thought that was one of Decky's worst games for yeah, us. Yeah, it felt like the whole front three evaporated, but him especially, um, at least like, it felt like Sun was at least having the opportunity to make bad passes. Uh, that's what I was gonna say I don't even know exactly I don't know if it's his fault that he had a bad day or if it's just that the tactics it just seemed like every time he had the ball there were at least two or three defenders right in his face it just didn't have time it was a it was a bit of that and honestly Cucurella is just a good left back (laughs) he's or a left wing back whatever he's playing like I just feel like on that left side they did a good job overall Uh, they definitely played us better than anybody had in a long time since the, yeah. the Brighton loss with this with this attacking crew. Yeah, I mean, lost his uh, cheek Kukur- was... And Kukurilla- that was a Potter special, so obviously, yeah, right. Joel, you And I'm going to say this, Cucurella was the person that was playing on the left side then as well. There you so, go, the like, Cucurella difference. There it he's is. He's a good player, and I'm upset that Chelsea has him. He's a, he's a good player. After the Reese James goals, after the Reese James goal goes in, that's when we see... Perisic come on, Basuma come on, who I thought this game was begging for. I don't know why he didn't come on till the 79th minute. Wait, which Perisic or Basuma? Basuma. Like yeah. it seemed like the, it seemed like the type of game that he needed to be involved in. And Benzacor was kind of poor. So yeah, I, yeah, that's I what I was wondering. Well, should it was a little odd to me. Well, it would have made more sense as a replacement for Bentoncourt, who I agree was having not a great game, but or trade changing tactics and putting a third man in midfield. I was kind of curious to see if we're going to do that, which they ended up doing almost the opposite, right? Where they they uh, yeah. drop the uh, yeah drop the the extra defender I'll, and put him. Up I front. will say though that when we had like the extra attacker, it looked like four attackers, but there were times where you saw like Sun dropping into midfield, Kane dropping into midfield, so we weren't always playing like it's like a four-two-two-two, like a fluid exactly. Yeah, it, so it, was it, it just gave us it did give us more body. So when you say that two-two, it was like uh four bodies in midfield, kind of. It's like a box. Yeah, so I, it just gave us more of like a numerical advantage in the middle, and which made us be able to move the ball better. And then Tuchel came in and changed that again. But that's why I think this game was so interesting. Like it could have been like it was good here and there, but I think overall, um, tactics wise, it was interesting that all all throughout because um, they both were doing things to counteract each other at some point. Yeah, I mean that's cool. I just want to see goals, man. Um, <laughs> So at the end of the game, you know, we finally get our redemption. And so I think we've, we, we have to finally talk about the hair pull, which we've been putting off. Um, so we get a free kick, nothing doing. It goes out for a corner. Perisic swings it in. It drops down to Basuma. It goes back out for a corner. On that corner kick, um, there was a very apparent hair pull. 
uh, where Romero basically yanked Cucurella by his hair and, and threw him down to the ground. He immediately gets up and starts yelling at the ref. The ref pauses the game as if to say that VAR is checking something. He waits for about 20 seconds and then says, no, corner kick. I'm not sure why they stopped the game. If not to check that hair pull, if they were stopping to check that hair pull, I have no idea how we still ended up with the corner kick. So either they weren't looking at it or they just ignored it. Like, Again, I don't so. I have no idea what happened. Fine print of it has to be the clear and obvious error. If I don't know if they felt like Anthony Taylor had the opportunity to call it because he could see it and it wasn't a clear and obvious error miss like the, 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 the logistical jump, uh, jump rope that they have to do in the VAR room to decide whether this is something that they should turn over or not, or if it's a fingernail offside is weird. So I don't know what the, you know, if, if that was it. Is, but... a cool, quick question there is the, I know that it's that way for a penalty, a clear and obvious error, and then for a red card. But can can they go back and review just regular fouls? I thought they couldn't do yellow cards or regular fouls on a review. Sonny got his regular foul reviewed into a red card when he unfortunately for broke Andre Gomes' leg. Yeah, for a red. That's what I'm saying. They they can no, that went up to a red. a red. That was I think an initially either a foul or yellow, and they upgraded. Right, but that's but that's what I'm saying. I don't think they can go from no foul to foul on a review. And I don't think they can go from foul with no yellow to a yellow. I think they can only go if it's a red or if it's a penalty. I could be wrong about that, but I thought that you can't just review, oh, did a foul happen in the buildup to this? I guess if it wasn't a goal, then yeah, because like they'll do, they'll review the buildup if it leads to a goal immediately, but that was a right. new play, right? right. So they, they couldn't have anything. So yeah, I think that might be the loophole of because nothing significant enough happened. Well, it's either that or, or it wasn't like a bad the, call. It was just a bad rule. Bad rule. That's what I, I mean. Think. Bad I'm, for not, Chelsea. I'm, not I'm not complaining about yeah. it, of course. Yeah. But the, the other theory I have, and I'm not 100%, I think I saw this on Twitter yesterday, somebody else talking about this, but you know how in the NFL there's a rule where basically your hair is part of your uniform? So you were allowed yeah. to tackle people by their hair if they had long hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not allowed to grab somebody by their jersey in soccer anyway. So I don't know if that really holds water, but. Uh, I mean, it's a it foul, right? Like it's, it was it's, baffling it's, to not see it called. Yeah, it's one hundred percent a foul. But if the ref doesn't yeah, see absolutely. it and and they can't do anything about it with VAR, then you know, play on. And you know, there's a lot of belly aching on the Chelsea side about about the Havertz call, about the Cucurella call, or or the no call on in both instances, uh, which which preceded both of our goals. But the fact of the matter is. Um, both of those goals could have been stopped, right? Like they, they weren't fouls that led directly to those goals. Um, after yeah. the Benton Kerr tackle, there's still a pattern of play that leads to Hoybeer's goal that they did have vended poorly. And Jorginho gave the ball away in his own box. Um, and then when we think about the last play of the game, uh, yeah, there was uh, a hair tug in, in, in the box for uh, a corner kick, but then there was a whole nother corner after that, that, Again, you know, the ball comes in, a beautiful ball by Perisic. Kane, like, grazes it into the back of the net, and the away stand goes absolutely nuts. Conte goes nuts. He starts running into the tunnel. Uh, There's a lot of really great videos on Twitter right now um, from that goal. But even if you look at the replay, um, Kane jumps up for it. And Lucas Mora and Richarlison are also and right, there. Are right there. Yeah, right. the four that... closest players to the ball were all spurred like, on one photo. Even if, even if Kane doesn't get his head to that ball, 
Somebody else from Spurs is probably nodding that in anyway. So like, yep. they defended that corner kick very poorly after dominating most of the game. There's one minute left on the clock and you basically just screwed yourselves. So Listen. like, I get it. I get why there might be some upset, but like, I think personally as a Spurs fan, like I feel like calls like that have gone against us so often, at least in the time that I've been watching this club. And so like, to have a few bad calls go our way for once, I'm not going to feel bad about it. I don't feel bad about it at all because this happens all the time. Um, it happens for other teams and other players. And one time it, we finally start getting some calls that go our way and we didn't even win the game, right? It was a draw. So screw them. <laughs> I, I have no regrets. <laughs> um, I'm glad it happened. And yeah, I, I think this is something that we can kind of, needle uh chelsea fans with for a bit it's a little odd seeing uh all the belly aching not necessarily because every team doesn't do that um but you're also seeing it from like fans of other teams which is weird it's not weird because everyone hates spurs that's the thing (laughs) like right of course 100 everyone hates spurs but it's weird because like you know it's like oh you guys still don't win anything important. Oh, this is not, you're celebrating all this. You didn't even win the game. And it's like, if we're such a small club and everybody wins more than we do, then why do you care so much about us? Why, (laughs) why do you, why, why does it make you so upset if we're never going to win anything anyway, they just ignore us. (laughs) Like it's very strange to me how much we uh, like seem to occupy other, other fans. Yeah, I honestly think what it is is like Spurs in people's heads were never gonna supposed to be the team that finishes top four, just never. Like Spurs were a mid-table team, and not forever, but for a long time in in the Premier League, Spurs were a mid-table team. So it's just like they didn't even have to worry about Spurs. Spurs weren't a thing people had to worry about. And the moment Pochettino came, I mean, it, 2012 did it, did some of it, but Pochettino really did a lot of it. Spurs became the team that people had to think about. And then we built a stadium and then we got some infrastructure. And now I think we're at a point where people are like, maybe they can be around for more than just a couple of years. Like we didn't finish in Europe for the past, you know, two years prior, but you can see where something's see it. We're building sustainable. You, like, you can just see something that's sustainable. And I think that makes people nervous and they can always bring up the trophy thing. And that will be always, that will always be the thing they bring up until we actually win some trophies, but they can't talk about what we are actually doing. We have a great coach. We have good players and all we can do is continue to build on that. As long as we continue to build on that, you know, who knows what's, what's, what's in the future. And I just think that people just don't like, because that's not supposed to be Spurs. Harry Kane scores another Premier League goal. He's now, I think, fourth in the all-time list. I believe he tied Sergio Aguero. Uh, Jesse, what 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 else can you say about Harry Kane that we haven't already said? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it he's incredible. I was I thought today's pod, you know, for a little while I was thinking of notes, and I was like, oh, well, today's pod's gonna be about Harry. You know, looked jacked, looked like he was in his best shape ever, was great under Conte system last year, hasn't really done anything through two games, but like 
that's why he's that guy because hasn't had many touches had had one opportunity where he sent that one wide that we talked about earlier that that kind of low low ground shot but then does this you said someone else the the terrifically bouncy lucas mora always a great aerial threat despite his five foot six and a standing cleats and a, on a hard top height um, Nate robinson and, of football yeah and then richie was there as well so it was really good to see um all that attack and and again absolutely the 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 officiating there benefiting spurs even having that chance but um you know i i was like in the reddit game thread and someone was just like i think after like our second corner that didn't look great. It was like, we hired a set piece coach. Why are we still stupid on set pieces? And it's like, bro, it's not as if we're going to turn set pieces into free throws. We're going to be scoring every time. If you bump it up to, from, from 8% to 15%, that's massive. So like, it's going to take time. Obviously we, you know, we gave one up on a, on the um, in swing around yeah. situation that can be broke down earlier. But then later, like that was a whatever stuff I haven't broken down the film, but whatever stuff that was happening that led to the four closest guys to the ball, all being Spurs converging on it, knowing exactly what to do and where to go. Like someone was hitting that ball um, and and it would have been from a, a close range and a hard, a hard rebound to, to for a hard save for many to make. So that was great. It was great to see it. Kane's incredible. Um, you know, again, not much of an impact, but that's why, you know, he's, he's that guy that he can, he can kind of do it later. And, um, and that's why you don't pull guys like him out of the game. I mean, Sonny got pulled, um, but I think, you know, as a team, you're always going to be better with Kane on the field than not. Um, most of the time when he's healthy, at least <laughs> I still think Lucas Morris should have started that final, but, uh, that's, that's another story for another day. Um, but he can just create goals where there is no goal. Um, we've seen him do it time and time again. For my money, he's the best goal scorer in the league. Um, and so if you need one, you just have to kind of let him play through it. Um, he scuffs that shot, like you said, and, and it looked like it wasn't going to happen for him. And then, you know, magic. Um, and it, it is funny because, for all of the stick that Spurs get for being a, a bottler club, um, think about over the past three seasons, how many games we've won at the death. Like, yeah. like, like this game against Chelsea, uh, that Berg von Stunner against um, Leicester. Um, City, that 3-2 against City. 3-2 against City. There was the... Uh, uh, there was the Davinson Sanchez header in the rain against Wolves, I think. Um, the, the, the January 1st, Davinson Sanchez header um, against. I thought Wofford? that was Wolves. Wofford. Oh, that's it was, we're talking about that's Wofford. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The one in the rain that I'm thinking of, I think, was a Jan Vertonghen header. Yeah, yeah that was uh, Wolves. And that was probably probably three or four seasons ago. Yeah. Um, like, had a, in the rain against Fulham too. <laughs> it, it, he it's some rainy goals. Yeah. Like, like it, it, it's interesting to think about because like, we're so used to seeing um, us like build up a lead and then like we blow it at the last minute. And, and that was like a, a, a theme, especially in the Pochettino years. And now it, it does feel like we are a, a never say die team. Um, and we're seeing it we're seeing the dividends of that paying off now to the point where like, even when it looks like 
you know, all, all hope is lost. Like you kind of just have to keep watching because something might happen before the game ends. And, and as a fan, that's really exciting to, to, to be able to watch that week in and week out. Yeah. Going back to uh, the set piece piece uh, coach thing. I, I I'm curious. I wonder if he has, I remember reading, he's got some ridiculous amount of set plays designed that he, I don't remember how many it's a, it's a crazy number, but I wonder, I mean, I would think that he has some that he would consider his, um, I guess like his, his best or most secret place. Like, well, I'm I'm thinking about like in uh, say in the NFL where you have those trick plays that you use when you really need it. Right. It's like your two point conversion play where you pass to an offensive lineman or something like that. I wonder if he's got plays like that, like what you saw at the end where somehow Spurs end up with the four closest people to the ball are all on Tottenham. Like, I mean, that has to be by design. I'm guessing he's got some, some trick plays up his sleeves that he saves for the most kind of crucial parts of the game. Well, he, he pulled out a great one yesterday. Yeah, yeah, he did. It, it was it was none more crucial than that. You got to say about the delivery too. like Parasich just put in a beautiful corner. And that's the I thing like the, that like he put in two we, different ones from put in two. two different sides. Yes. Yeah, from two sides. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like he's doing two different ones, different feet like you. That's like where I said, like his two footedness is going to be amazing for this team um and like nice sunny has been good on corners but it's corner. just like another person like sunny has been good on corners over the last couple of years like he's put in some good balls but just to have another person to do it when sunny's not on the field um it just i just feel like we have just more depth just more talent it feels nice yeah it feels weird <laughs> we haven't been able to say that for for who knows how long so now Conte and Tuchel both get reds at the end of the game, which means they're going to get a one-match ban for our upcoming match. Um, we have the early Saturday game against Wolverhampton. We are at home, but Wolves, it feels like they beat us at least once a year, um, often at home. The last time I was in London was actually a home game against Wolverhampton. Uh, which was two seasons ago, and uh, we were up 2-1 at halftime and ended up losing 3-2. Raul Jimenez scored the winner, and that that does seem like something that happens a lot. Spurs also don't seem to have a lot of luck in the early games. Um, I don't want to hedge too too far, but like with all of that in mind, um, with some of the poor play that we saw in the first half, with Conte not being on the sideline, do we have reason to be worried about Saturday? How confident are we going into this Wolves match? I mean, they're they're no they're no rollovers either. They're not Southampton. I feel good. I think we've we I feel like maybe memory is wrong, but I feel like we we had an early um cup tie against Wolves last year and we won, and I felt like we've been playing better against them. It's like we we went two and one maybe against them last year, or, or maybe even um two wins and a draw if memory serves, but um, they feel less scary without Traore just, you know, sprinting at us um, like a freaking freight train. Um, and they still definitely have some, some good players and all that, but I, I still feel pretty good. It's at Wolves. No, it's, 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 it's at Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I feel, I feel good. I think um, we're after the prediction section. Maybe we are, but I feel like a, a two, one, um, maybe even a two Oh, yeah, Traore is still on the team, actually. Um, he just doesn't start. He's back, he back after from, Barcelona? He came, he came back from Barcelona. They oh, that was still alone. on that loan. They, they signed Rafinha. They don't need 
<laughs> they don't need Traore. But um, Cody's no longer there. They're playing a back four now, so it's different. Um, and I don't think um, their striker, is he hurt right now? Jimenez is hurt as well. So Feels like he's always I, hurt. He is, but... Um, I don't know. I just feel like and John Moutinho is also injured as well. So I just feel like, you know, I don't think they're as strong as they were before. Um, they're playing a new system, a different system. So and last two matches, they had a nil-nil with Fulham and they lost to Leeds on the first day. And so I don't know. I just I, I feel like I don't know. Our team seems to give up a goal. Um, so I could see them scoring something fluky or just somebody not getting back until we start to pick up clean sheets. I will not call for clean sheets. <laughs> um, Got to see it to believe it, right? We haven't I seen mean, it honestly, yet. Uh, yeah. it's, it's been two matches. I have not had a clean sheet yet. Um, there have been breakdowns here and there. So uh, I probably say like three, one, cause I think we could score against them. Um, like I say, they're not playing that back three anymore. I feel like we can get at the back four uh, pretty pretty nicely with our players um especially if we pay i feel like if we play perisic uh he's really going to be attacking um and we can get five guys on their four in the back so i kind of feel like we probably can score more goals than we did um today so i I go three one yeah so mine might be wish casting because i uh, don't disagree with you guys' points about the clean sheet but i'm gonna go three oh i just i feel like um the uh, the way we we're feeling after the first game, obviously, was extremely confident. And then um, while that the the Chelsea game, not exactly a setback, but for fans, I think that it was a little you know disillusioning to watch that first half. But I think the players might take a lot from the way it finished and just be very uh, positive and, and pumped up. Uh, hopefully, that'll translate into uh, everybody showing up for the game, you know, and, and getting that, getting on the front foot. I think that that's really important. Uh, I mean, with every team, but it seems like Spurs have a habit of being sluggish in the first half. So if we could get off on the front foot, um, not leave it until the second half to turn up the, turn up the, you know, the, the crank, uh, then I, I could see us running away with this and maybe even more than that. But I, like I said, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hope for a clean sheet. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, I'll let my prediction uh, spur that forwards, I suppose. So three zero. Yeah, uh, I I don't know how to feel about this game. Um, it, it feels it feels like a trap game. Um, Wolves have have been a tra- tricky matchup for us. I'm looking over our uh, our our results history here since Wolves were promoted in 2018. Um, we haven't done the double over them a single time. Uh, it, it's usually win one, lose one. Uh, we The same thing happened last season uh, where we beat them away and then they beat us at home. I'm also we beat them not... in the cup though, right? Or must, am I dreaming we did. that up? Uh, okay. we, we did. It was a, uh, I, I think it was a draw that went to extra time or, or went to penalty kicks or something like that. Um, and that was our early September um league cup match which also reminds me that we're gonna start having league cup matches soon um in addition to champions league of course all that said like i i i have just a weird feeling about this game uh i think those early saturday matches are also just weird um it feels like guys aren't 
like completely up for it yet. Um, and like it usually takes them some time to kind of like grow into the game. It's a game that we should win. And so like you guys predictions all make perfect sense. Um, but I am getting in a, a, like a, a weird feeling about this. And I'm going to say one one. Last thing before we wrap up. Um, we really saw Ruben Loftus-Cheek put Sessegnon really in his pocket the whole game. He was pretty ineffective, and, and Perisic came on and, and did bits for us. What are you guys' thoughts about this upcoming match? Do you think Sess keeps his spot? Do you think Perisic is ready to, to play a, a full game yet? Uh, what do you think we'll see on that left side? I could see them maybe flipping roles this time and have uh... – have, have Perisic start and then Sess come in to spell him. I don't know if Conte, I mean, I know Perisic had an injury towards the end of last season and he's been kind of working his way up slowly to preseason. I don't think he'll get 90 minutes. I could see it again, right. him getting 60 or something like that. And then having Sess come on after that. I hope that, you know, Sess doesn't have, doesn't, you know, spend too much time on the bench just because I feel like that would probably be bad for his confidence, but you know, we're looking to rotate players a lot. And I think that you can, you know, you have to start somewhere, and I think that's probably as good a spot to to start as any. Yeah, right. No changes, uh, first to second lineup. So I think there's definitely going to be some rotation here. Um, I agree with that, Paris. I think like Paris has been has been impactful off the bench both times. I mean, not that we needed the spark the first game, but he he had that um, ball that hit the person's hand inside the box, but it wasn't a handball um, off of his shot. So he was in the, getting in a dangerous spot. And then obviously key to the winner in the second game. Like, I think he'll start, I think for Charleston might start, um, as well, just to, to give him some, he's, he's had a couple of long, you know, or, or had a long sub. That would be obviously nice. Actually. The first game. I think he'll, I think he'll start for who probably Kane, but maybe son instead. Imagine, just, imagine Kane. having Kane, <laughs> if you need a goal, like, oh, we're going to sub on Harry Kane. Like, that's the luxury <laughs> we're going to have. That's what right. Liverpool would have for years with, like, Mo. You mean, oh, like, like, what we were doing uh, two years ago in the in the Europa Conference League and Europa League uh, against NS Mura and Board of Glint and all these? Anyway. But that's um, nice. Like, that's a nice luxury that we'll be able to have. And I think, uh, yeah, Richarlson. I think one more change. Maybe maybe Biz. I don't know. But yeah, I was going to say Basuma would make sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what lineup we we, we bring out there. Um, obviously, hoping for a win. Uh, hoping I get proven wrong. Come on, you Spurs. Let's let's get let's get all three points this week. How about it? Yes. Come on, you Spurs.